Good evening. We are greeting you this evening in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Pastor Maj Gilbert Sr. We're coming to you for On the Wall E Ministries here in Alta Vista, Virginia. We thank God for you joining us on this Friday evening for our Bible Institute. We a uh, beautiful lesson we've been studying. We've been studying uh, the body of Christ. Uh, who is the church? What does the church do? God's design for his people. And we finished up on the last few weeks. We've been studying the seven uh, different uh, activities of the church. And those seven activities of the church is the church evangelizes, the church baptizes, and the church teaches. The church uh, nurtures, the church worships, the church prays, and the church multiplies. But uh, we've already completed the church evangelizes and the church baptizes tonight. We're going to get into the church teaches, the church teaches. And, and as we study this, hopefully we'll be able to get a, a good understanding of how uh, the church, uh, how it operates and what we should do in the church and our uh, uh, duties that we should have as being born again Christians. Uh, this is not about uh, ministers or teachers or preachers or whoever. Every born again Christian has to understand what the church means and what does the church do and our duties as being part of this uh, great assembly. So we thank God for that. So we're going to uh, have a word of prayer. Then we get into our study tonight. We said uh, in our uh, memo that we're going to begin on pages 43 of your study guide. We encourage you to uh, download the study guide on our uh, uh, Facebook page. You can be able to download that and pull it up and hopefully you'll get a, a, a clear and a greater understanding of uh, how our lesson is applied to us each and every day, okay? So let us bow. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come. And as we come, Lord, we ask that you would just Lord, your dear servant, down in the deep well of thy salvation, touch my lips that I may boldly say those things that you have laid upon my heart, Lord. Give us listening ears, uh, one who is able to not only be a hearer, but become a doer of your word. Lord, we thank you so much. We pray, Lord, that you would just continue to bless in a mighty way. We give your name all praise, glory, and honor. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Yeah, uh, what does the church do? There is a a design that God has for his people. Our duty, again, is, as we said earlier, uh, our duty is to evangelize, then to baptize, then we are to teach. Uh, we are to teach and to make sure that each one has a sure understanding of the word of God. So the church teaches, and uh, we are called to uh, talk about uh, two things that the church does. And so if you remember, the church evangelizes and the church baptizes. Now, the church teaches. And our scripture says in our lesson today coming out of Acts 2nd chapter, verses 42, uh, it says that and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship uh, to the breaking of bread and prayer. So uh, one uh, writer wrote, uh, he said that if Jesus Christ was the head of the church and hence the source and the goal of entire life, true growth is only possible in the obedience in him. And conversely, if the church becomes detached from Jesus Christ and his word, it cannot grow however active and successful it may be. So there's a trend today that today uh, there's to minimize the teaching of the word and it says not uh, important or teaching of the word is optional, but uh, we have to have some conversations about that. I was uh, 
well, in a seminar, and when we was in a seminar, I should have said something, but I didn't. It would have been a bit arrogant if I'd say something, though, but the guy was giving a presentation about the teaching and preaching of the church, and it was old and no longer necessary or no longer important. He gives this whole angle uh, of spill about how music has replaced the teaching in his music and other things. So he wanted to raise, I wanted to raise my hand at the time, but at the hour, it was not uh, a good time to do it. So anyway, I was thinking uh, uh, it was a battle and do I say something or no or do I just as a student or do I say anything but this thing was bothering me and it devoted me uh, to the point where I wanted to make sure that he understood exactly uh, what he was talking about but the church is a community formed by what God's word. So his word is relevant today as it ever been. In all those scripture and history, we see power of the spoken word throughout it. And however, technology sometimes affects things, but the church teaches and the church is a community formed by God's word. And we are saved through his word. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing cometh by what? The word of God, Romans 10 and 17. And so this is how we are saved. We don't make up our own path to salvation and to say that we have to be saved. you got to be saved. And not just saved, we are sanctified through the word. You're saved by the word, but you're also sanctified by the word. And the Bible is this book that is given to us. And, uh, and if it's taught, we will grow in the image of Christ and we are reproved and we have preached the word, Paul said. And that's the central uh, uh, motive of the church. And, and that church... Uh, that's commanded in the church and in the imperative that we preach and teach the word of God. And, and then the church is also a community focused on the word of God. We are formed by the word of God, but also the church community is what should be focused on the word of God. So the church is that that we should be focused on the word of God. But why should we? We should be focused on the word of God because it is an important part of what the church is all about. The church should revere the magnitude of God's word, and the church knows the significance of God's word. It should also reveal himself in his word. That's what God does. He said in John first chapter 1, he said that in the beginning, what was the word? And not in the beginning was a song or in the beginning was, was some type of program or music. He said that in the beginning was the word. And this is the revelation. Jesus is God's communication to the world, his word. In 1 Samuel in 3, he said it was the days of Samuel and there were no uh, fragrant vision or, or frequent vision of the Lord. So God raises up a prophet and he said the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh, what? By his word. So God reveals himself, what? As the word coming about because of the word all throughout scripture, the word, the creation was what? Formed by the word and stills, uh, storms were still by, by his word. He speaks and he waves and it obeys. He said that even the wind obey his will. So it's by his word. Creation uh, was formed by his word. Uh, he can still the storm by his word. Fevers were cooled by his word. Demons were cast out by his word. Sins were forgiven by his word. Blinds were made set, uh, made to see by his word. The dead was raised to new life by his word. So it is the word of God that we must always 
keep relevant in the church. So the entire universe should respond to the word of God. Think about it. God says, who will compare me to? Lift up your eyes and see the creator of all things. And he brings the host by number, calling them all by name. Talking about the stars, the greatness of his might, and because of his strong power, no one is missing. Isaiah 40 and 25 and 26. The stars in the sky come out every night, what, by the word of God. And think about that. In every galaxy, millions or billions of stars in our galaxy is one of the millions of galaxies filled with hundreds and billions of, of stars, and only our God can bring them one by one, and he calls them by name. Oh, he might call one Bob, he might call one Mary, or one Z1563SR. I don't know what you should call them, what their names are, but my God, he knows all by name, and when he speaks, they shine. Stars speak and shine at his revelation and his power, so he speaks and shines when he calls upon them. This is the most humbling things that we should have to understand is to read uh, Charles Misner, a scientific scientist, a specialist in relative theory, uh, theology, and he said that uh, the design in the universe is most magnificent and shouldn't be taken for granted. In fact, he said, I believe why Einstein had so little use of the organized religion, although he strikes me as basically a very religious man, he must have looked at what the preachers said about God and felt that they were blaspheming. He was seeing more and more majesty than he had ever imagined, and they were just not talking about the real thing. My guess is that he simply felt religions he ran across did not have proper respect for the author of the universe that God had created. See, the last thing I want to say about me is teaching the word is that he was not talking about the real thing. If you're teaching the word of God, you must be focused on teaching the real thing. And this is why the word of God is so important in the church because of the magnitude of the word and what God has said cannot be overestimated. The church knows the seriousness of this man's proclamation. Even he said in Acts 2, when Peter stood up and lifted his voice and he addressed the crowd and the men, uh, the language there that they spoke with seriousness and gravity. And you think about it, look in Acts a second Corinthians, excuse me, uh, fourth chapter is amazing verses that we see. He says in verse four, the God of the world has blinded the mind of unbelievers and, and to kept them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Verse six says, God said, let the sun shine out of darkness and have shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So you've got this God of the universe blinding minds in verse 4 and the true God shining the light in the hearts in verse 6 and in the middle of what it does say he said we proclaim not ourselves but Jesus Christ our Lord and with ourselves your servants for Jesus sake so I hear people talk about it today we should have casual conversations in the church and not to teach 
No, how can you have conversations about the reality of what is going on in the world today? See, we see uh, how light teaching supposedly has come into the church and has filled with entertainment and jokes and all of these things. So, like, we realize that there is a, what, a true God over the world and his shining his light into our hearts. And there is a false God, one with the little g, that is in the world, Satan, and what he is doing, the true God deserves every person to enjoy the everlasting joy of heaven. And the God of this world wants every single person to Berlin hell with him. And in the middle, we preach Jesus Christ. And it doesn't leave room for just some casual talk. This is a serious thing that we need to be about, being about the business that God has assigned us to. Souls are at risk. And, 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 and that's what I was listening to a preacher, and he was talking about it today. He says if you, you, you go to a doctor, he says that if you go to the plumber, the worst thing is that your water will leak. And if you go to the electrician, maybe the worst thing is that maybe your house will burn on fire. And if you go to a, 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 a doctor, the worst thing the doctor can tell you is that you're going to die. He said, but if you go to the preacher and he's not serious about how he's telling you and giving you the word of God, your eternal soul is at risk. So it's eternal ramifications when we're talking about preaching. So we need to be serious about what we're doing for the Lord. So lives are dependent on us, what? Hearing the word of God. And that's why each preacher or teacher should be exposing the voice of God. And then as we have the tendency to minimize the church what God has said, we want to maximize what we say and have all kinds of thoughts and opinions. Nehemiah had just classically abused as well. This is the God's textbook in leadership in the church. And we'll see and use this just to talk about kinds of leadership principles. But take leadership books and we take principles there and we'll try to uh, find them in Nehemiah. The problem with trying to find certain leadership principles in certain scriptures in the book, you got to understand the context of the book. So take a leadership book. The problem is that when we get to Nehemiah in 13 and 23, okay, God's textbook on leadership, Nehemiah says, In those days I saw the Jews who had married women of Ashrod and Ammon and Moab, and half of the children spoke languages of Ashdod, and they could not speak a language of Judah, but only the language of each people. And I confronted them, and Nehemiah said, Curse them and beat them and be pull them uh, and pull their hair out. And so leadership principle number thirteen is to get mad. You confront people, you beat them, and then you pull their hair out. No, so that is not a principle that he's trying to teach us. You're not uh, telling them to have that type of leadership principle when you have certain things that you read and study in the Bible. See, we should expose the what the voice of God in the process. We should exalt his greatness when the word of God is spoken and the greatness of God is revealed. And this is why I hate it when preaching sometimes and, and somebody said that kind of introducing things and after the time of worship and then David is going to come up and speak and no, like I was going to do it when uh, we are worshiping and now and I'm just going to talk. No, I'm not going to talk. I want to preach. 
God called us to be not speakers, but what? Preachers. We should preach the word of God. So we need to be able to teach. When God's word is revealed, we should be able to see his greatness and we should worship. And that's the whole design. Not turn off worship meter when the song ends. Not to turn it up when the word is proclaimed. This is why you are all, we should be in total worship at all times. When the song is being sung, when the word is being preached. Look at Psalm 56. You have to skip down a little bit. It says that in God whose word I praise. And it says it again in Psalm 56 and 10. I lift up my hands toward your commandments. And Psalm 9 says I will bow down. Psalm 130 said toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For I have exalted above all things your name and your word. See, his word is to put on the same plane as his name, exalted up. So that is the book that we should do. We revere it, but we should also put, teach that word. And if we don't teach it, then we are not doing what the church is supposed to do. The church respects the authority of God's word. And apart from the word, the preacher, we are helpless. The, all we got to do is to be able to preach the word. If we don't have the word, we don't have anything in an ammunition to be able to have in our holsters. So what do we say? Do we really think that we have our minds and our thoughts what people need to call them to obedience? No, we don't have what they say. Not only the word has that, the word of God. So I remember that uh, one of the moments in, that you were sitting in a worship service and they were sitting down near the front and the guy was speaking, real charismatic personality and very entertaining. And then he got up and the first words out of his mouth was, I forgot my Bible. He forgot his Bible and then he prayed and then what he would say that night and he said, I did all of these things that I do and I went and I got my coffin and then I made sure that I had everything. I took me a walk. I got my mind in the right perspective so that I can come in to teach. But one thing, he forgot his Bible. Don't never forget the word of God. So maybe that means that God doesn't have anything to say to us if he lets his word behind. So he finishes and he sits down. And while he's sitting there thinking, but you have this book that, that's helpful to be able to give you everything you need. God has everything you need in that Bible. And 66 books is the word of God. And then instead of you trying to skip your coffee and skip your walk, you should have made sure that you had the word of God with you when you came in your class. And this is the key. We don't have to make something up. It's not upon me as a pastor or a teacher to be able to say something to the people. No, we teach the word of God. It's the word of God. And apart from the word of God, we are helpless, absolutely helpless. And then like, I'm not a chef here. We are not a chef trying to prepare a meal for you. No, we are the waiter. God has already prepared the meal. So my job is to be able to just get the food to the table. I need to serve the table with the word of God so that you can eat and then regurgitate and then bring it up in your spirit. See, we need to get that down. That's what we need to do. It is the word. Apart from the word of God, again, the preacher is helpless. Apart from the word of God, the church is powerless. And what we're going to build the church on if we're going to have the word. We can't build it on our innovations or motivations. So the church recognizes the relevance of God's word. Next, the word of God speaks contemporary needs 
of an eternal promise. So that's the beauty of it. What Peter is doing is that he wants, uh, he, he quotes in all of the place of the Old Testament in Acts 2, and he's bringing it to bear on what is happening right here. And that's what we do. We take this word, we teach it, and the teacher shows how it applies to your everyday life. You see that all of these promises that are listed in the Bible makes about itself. It promises us success. It promises us blessings. It promises us to guide us. It promises us to comfort us. It promises us peace and wisdom and salvation and satisfaction. Why should we want to listen to anything else? That why should we want to listen to anything else other than what God has promised us in his word? And the church realizes the purpose of God's word. So the purpose of God's word, here's the purpose of God's word, follow with me. And this is huge. This is not just for teachers or preachers to understand. This is for everybody in the church that needs to know this. God's agenda is in scripture is to tell us about the glory of Christ. Tell the world about the glory of Christ. And the books uh, points us to what? One person is Christ. And he is in the center of it. And everything in the books what points up to Christ. And But that's not all. Okay. It tells us about his glory and it transforms us into the image of Christ. We just don't want to know about God. The word of God gives us knowledge of God, but the word of God has also transformative power to change us. He says to be transformed uh, into this new thing that God wants us to be. So, okay, we follow this. Uh, and, and, and let me show you the purpose of the Bible. In the beginning, God, what he creates in Genesis 1 and 1, in Genesis 1, 22 and 26, that he creates man in his image and his likeness. And then in uh, Genesis 3, sin enters into the world. In the third chapter in this book, the image of God is what? Is marred by men. And what we've got up in here is see Genesis 3 is the story of how God is redeeming, is recreating man in his image. And when we get to this very end in Revelation 21, we see what? A new heaven and a new earth. And let's look real quick at the end of Genesis 3. The Lord sent the man out in the garden. He drove him from the garden, from the east of the garden, and the Eden, and the place that mature been with a flame and sword that he turned everyone away to guard him from the tree of life. So he left out from the tree of life. When you get to Revelation 22, uh, you see, listen, the angel of God showed me a river uh, of the water of life, bright as crystal flowing from the throne and the Lamb of God uh, and, and through the middle of the street of the city. Also, on either side of the river was a tree of what? It was the tree of life. It makes a comeback here, and it's 12 kinds of fruit yielding for every month. And the leaves are now are the healing of the nation. No longer will it be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the Lamb of God be we it, and his servants what will worship him. See, some of the most beautiful words in Scripture, verse 4, and they will see his face. And this is where all scripture is heading so that we can have a knowing knowledge of God and we can see him for who he is. So think about the book end, okay? you got this man created in the image of God and was marred by uh, the image of, of and the marred image of God in me. And at the end, you got this uh, man recreated in the image of God and he's brought back to him. And in the middle of the story, how God does this, 
This is the purpose that you see in Romans 8 and 28. Everything is working for the good of those who love the Lord that will call according to his purpose. So what's the good? For those who have foreknew, he predestined and to be conformed to the image of the Son. And that's the whole point. Everything is headed toward that, that we might be like Christ. And remember, you are remade in the image of our creator. So here's the deal. What does it mean is we need to really be careful. We need to see this. The purpose of the Bible then is that we will sound a little heretical, I think, but you will hear, but it goes like this. The purpose of the Bible is not to answer every single question that we have in the world, but the book doesn't answer every single question that is in the world. There are so many things in this book that doesn't specially address what does the book say about teenage years? Uh, what does it say anything about Christ's teenage life? Nothing. It was totally a different picture that there is in the book. So what does this book say about divorce recovery? And this book does say about what we do in a 401k. It doesn't tell us all of that. Yes, if we are not careful, what we say and what we do we, as we come to this book, we will hear people talking questions about what kinds of things that are happening. And we say, well, uh, what can I do with this book and try to answer your question? But that's not the purpose. This is the focus of church worship. Two options, human tips or divine text. Tips of financial victory, walking through divorce, recovery, and raising teenage children you have. Spare the rod, spoil the child. But beyond that, you have all kinds of tips, though. But be offered across the church today with either the latest book for Christian bookstore or instead of this sound. Uh, there are good motives, but the primary good motives is that when we focus on human tips instead of divine text, uh, what do we do? We end up robbing ourselves of the truth that is necessary for realizing God's purpose for our lives. God's purpose is to conform us and, and to be able to be in the image and the likeness of God, right? Think about it. What do we need on Sunday? You think, well, I'm walking through this situation in my life. Why are you going to tell me about the Moabites? And that's the approach that many wonder about. Well, here's the deal. Don't miss it. The word about the Moabites here in the book of Ruth is promised by God through the Spirit to conform your heart into the image of Christ and to help you know and to walk with him and step with his spirit. So it may not speak directly to your financial situation, but you're walking through it by understanding that the word of God is trying to help you through that situation. When we focus on the word and the purpose that it has given to us, then we can walk away. Maybe we don't have the answer that the preacher or the teacher, but maybe we don't quite understand, but we do have the spirit of God inside of us that will be able to direct us and get us through when his word is, his spirit shall have residence inside of us. He's going to form our minds and our desires to better regardless of how much money did we have in the end or how successful we may or may not be. And that's what we need. 
when we don't get that, we rob ourselves of what we need for realizing God's purpose for our lives. And then we rob God of the glory that is due his name. We start looking for different communicators in the church because they've got all of the answers. No, I'm not that good and nobody is. But the thing is, I do, don't have all the answers, and I don't know all of the answers to your situation, but I know one thing, I know Jesus, and he's the one that will be able to answer everything that you have asked and that you have need of. But we have what is necessary. What I do have to help you with is to help you to understand that the image of Christ and getting you in touch of knowing that Christ is on the inside of you and he is wanting to make things happen in your life. See, many pastors can preach a whole message, but little more than a tip of a hat of the clause that was taken of the biblical context of the few. But few recognize, if any, even more pastors have decided of using the Bible as a handicap for meeting the needs of different generations. But therefore, they have gone to drawing their sermons for the plethora of recovery and pop psychologically that give them what they hear and wish that they would turn and pay mega churches of that that they have built. We, we, we do that. But the other option is when we focus on the divine text instead of the human tips, we fill ourselves with the what? The truth that is necessary for realizing the purpose for God has for our lives. And then we can glorify God and becoming like Christ in our life. And that's what we need more of than anything else. We want to become what? More like Christ. The word feeds the character of Christ that is in us. And it instills his conscience in us uh, like, uh, like Christ. And it changes our hearts. It changes our mind. And then our character and our conscience. And then that's the beauty of it is that we'll be able to follow him and be more like him. And then we will begin to live out our faith. And, and that's the beauty of it. And then we follow him. And, and then when we get this word and just think more and more like Christ and we began to act like Christ in our life. And this is where transformation begins. It starts happening. But it just didn't start with that. See, people want to know that they need, what do they need to do? And when I tell them, all right, what do you need to do? Here's some tips what you need to do. You need to just uh, have a pure heart. And you need to have your life submitted over to Christ. And, and, and then you need to be able to avoid all of the things that draw you away from Christ, sexual immorality and all of those other things that will cause your heart to change. And then you need to just draw to a closer relationship with him. And then once you do that, everything is going to be all right. See, we need the word. We need the word. And the church is what? It's the place that reveals the word and, and the effect of God's word on our lives. Because when it is taught, when it's taught the word, what? It lets its conviction and, and it causes us to think. And the word of God says it's cut to the heart in Acts 2. And it's sharper than a what? A two-edged sword. It's cutting, going, and coming. In Hebrews, people thought they realized the gravity of their need and the greatness of God's provision that is provided to us in his word. So the word explains conversion. And what do I mean? It tells us what? How we are saved. He look at Acts 2nd chapter verses 37. When people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said, Brothers, 
What shall we do? And Peter replied, bow your heads and close your eyes and pray this prayer and accept Jesus. No, he didn't say that. The first thing he said, you need to repent. You need to repent. See, we need to be wise in the church and to use biblical terms to explain conversion. It would be wise to do that. We don't want to mislead people, particularly in the name of trying to get as many people as possible to respond. We don't uh, want uh, them to stand on sinking sand uh, to be able to prove that there's a higher end to it. If you look at throughout the book of Acts and then you will see the words over and over again, sometimes repent is the only word that is used. Other times he said faith and belief. It is used in sometimes repentance and faith, but both mention conversion and repentance. And sometimes uh, we turn conversion. And then when we are saved, we turn from our sin and from ourselves. And then we believe. We trust in Christ as the risen Savior and the reigning Lord over our lives. See, so many of us love to have Jesus Christ as Savior, but somehow we just don't want him to be the Lord over your life. See, he will save you, but he also is the one that controls and guides you through your life. So we teach that in church. The word establishes should a craving for us, and the very essence of his word should have us craving for us. You should have a hunger and thirst for his word. And then and, and, and the word of God in Acts 2 and 42 said they devoted themselves to what? To teaching the spirit of God through the word of God. And then we are led what? By the spirit. We long for the word of God. And, and when people taste this word, they will see how good it is and don't want anything else in their life but the word. And if you got the word, everything is going to be all right. And then like it's good. And then we can trust the word of God. It can create longing and craving inside of us if we allow that word to speak to our heart. So that when we know, when we get uh, to these trite opinions from everybody else, and it sounds good, but it's not from the word of God. And that's why the church needs the word being taught. He says, uh, study the word of God so you can rightly divide the word of God. And that's what we need to do. We need the knowledge of the word of God in our life so it can help to transform our life. So teaching the word, he said, my people perish because of what? The lack of the word of God, the knowledge of the word of God. So the word of God is what that we need. So the church evangelizes, the church should baptize, but the church should always teach. I never baptize until I take them through a new membership training to get them knowing about what they're getting ready to step into. They're getting ready to step into a place where they're giving God their all in all. And they need to understand that. They're submitting themselves unto the authority of God under his authority. And then they need to be walking in obedience to his word to be able to get the promises that he has in store for your life. So God bless you on this evening. God, he, 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 he teaches and he wants us to teach. Just as we have the word of God, only thing that we need to do is use that same word of God to teach others. He said that if I be lifted up, that meant on the cross, he said, I will draw all men unto me. So it's the word of God. What he did on Calvary's cross 
It's enough for us to tell people that will change their lives. And if they would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, the word of God says, thou shall be saved. God bless you on this evening. We thank God for you joining us on this Friday evening. Uh, the church teaches. Find you a Bible teaching church where you can be able to study the word of God then know how it applies to your each and every day life. And then you'll be able to go out and teach others. Our desire is to teach others. I like what the old uh, 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 Philip had told the, the, the uh, I got the word that slipped my mind, uh, the eunuch. He told the eunuch, the eunuch was reading the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And, 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 and Philip asked him, do you know what you're reading? He said, how will I know unless someone explained it to me or guided to it? It's our duty to what? Learn the Bible and then teach the Bible so that others will have a knowing knowledge of the God and the relationship they have with him through Christ. That's what we need to do. Let's be about our Father's business. Go ye therefore in all the earth, he says, to teach and to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So we need to be about our Father's business, teaching them and to baptizing them and to be able to bring them up in the admonition of his word. And then he said, Lo, I'll be with you always, even until the end of the ages. So God bless you. We thank you. Let us bow, Father God. We do thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to come. And hopefully we'll say some things to help us to have a, a knowing knowledge of your word, that the church's duty is to be able to, to, to baptize it's to evangelize, it's to baptize, but it's to teach. Teach the word of God so that we can be able to let others know about the goodness of the Lord. Then, once you make disciples, you made the disciples, you are able to make other disciples. God bless you. May heaven smile upon you. We'll see you on Sunday morning for our Sunday school hour, then 9.30 for our worship hour. Again, we hopefully in September to invite those who want to come in for our in-house service for our uh, institute on Friday evening, but also for our morning Sunday school at 9 o'clock and 9.30 worship hour. Uh, come by and visit us and come by and share with us and hopefully that by sharing with us, we will be able uh, to share with you. Share the love of Christ one with another. God bless you and may heaven ever smile upon you. Be blessed.